I'd like to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of the London Lyceum, where we try to encourage our listeners to think deeply and clearly. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan Stefaniak. And I'm your other host, Brandon Askew. And today we're doing another special installment of the monthly episode, The Hanover House, with the most reverend Connor McMakin and then the reverend Jake Stone. And of course, me and Brandon. Brandon is apparently the reverend. Now, okay. And on this topic, you he's, know, half, he's half reverend, isn't he? <laughs> half reverend? Is that what they are? We'll give him a half reverend. So I'll take it. What, what we wanted to do, I think, with this episode on a monthly basis is just kind of think through some of the episodes we've done in the past and kind of drill in more to pastoral application for local churches, local, um, local I guess, lay members and pastors alike. So this week, or I guess this month, really, we decided to talk more on just contentious topics in general and how we should address those as Christians. We had an episode a few weeks ago uh, on Karl Marx and Marxism. And if you're online at all, you know that that is a hot topic, you know, critical race theory and Marxism. And, you know, and no matter what you think about it, if you're if you're a flaming Marxist or if you're a raging Marxist hater, it doesn't matter where you're on the spectrum. I think how we handle these difficult topics is important for Christians and our own witness and our own I guess, living out of the virtue that Christ has called us to. So in the vein of that, I I guess with that in in mind, maybe we just set the stage a little bit and talk about some examples of contentious topics that you know of uh, that maybe it's online, maybe it's in person, maybe it's in your own local church. I don't know what that looks like for each of you. Um, Because I know we're all in different regions except for me and Brandon. Me and Brandon, North Carolina, Connors in Michigan, and then Jake is down in... Mizzou. I don't even know how to. How do I say? I, I just never can say the name of your city. Biloxi. Is that Biloxi, name? Mississippi? You know, yeah, it looks like it's like Biloxi or something crazy. Don't say. Don't. No. Only. No offense to to my friends in the north, but when I hear somebody say Biloxi, you know that means they have no idea really how we pronounce anything down here. So nobody here says that. We say Biloxi. There you go. It's like, for example, during Hurricane Katrina, you know, we have a city called Pass Christian. Okay. We had all the news reporters come down and wanted to say, we're here in Pass Christian. There's nobody down here says Pass Christian. So it's don't, don't try, don't try to get too French and Cajun with everything, you know, around here. You know, it reminds me when I lived in Kentucky, my wife's from the Lexington area, and there's a city over there that, if you're educated, you probably think is pronounced Versailles, but no, it's it's very much Versailles. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually learned that because when I was in uh, in Kentucky back in January, we we whatever I I thought it was Versailles, and that's I was told no, that's not how it's pronounced. So anyway, so maybe what what are some examples? I don't know if one of you got if Connor or or Jake wants to kick off some examples. I mean, I know back in the day when I was online, it used to be like baptism were the the most heated debates, but that has definitely since changed uh, to where it's far more uh, aggressive on other topics. I would say covid I mean that's yeah. the I mean that's just I mean that has become. How do I say it? Just I mean, say it. It's almost become, it has become like, well, let's go more specific, mask, wearing mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that has become mm-hmm. just like the defining issue. If you wear a mask, you are labeled one way. If you don't wear a mask, you are labeled another way. And I, I think that's very, I think what it re- reflects is why we have to do due diligence. Okay, let's think about it for a moment. As the people of God, as the church, we're called out, we're described as a peculiar people. Now, that doesn't mean that we're supposed to be intentionally awkward or obnoxious, okay? It means, though, that we are salt and light, that we're different. And what happens so often is I think we can become so seduced and pressured by what's happening in the culture at large that it just really infiltrates the church 
And so all of these battles and the, the stakes are in the ground on mask, pro or anti-mask or whatever. And it infiltrates it that somehow that's what the church must be identified as. Is, is the church pro-mask or is the church anti-mask? And, and so all of a sudden now, think about that concept. We become known not as those who are in Christ, not those as ambassadors of the gospel, but what's our position on COVID and mask? That has become the defining thing. And so much of our politics, I mean, look, I'm not one of those people that can go back and read history and say, well, you know, politics used to be civil and nice in the United States of America, and then things changed, you know, in the late, you know, 20th century. No, it's always been very nasty and brutal. Just go read the election of 1800 between Jefferson and Adams. It was not at all a nice campaign. But I think that we have really struggled with things like cable, talk shows, podcasts that are geared for those types of things, um, social media, to where you must always have a position on everything. And, it, and it's cut and dry. There is no room for nuance whatsoever. And so right now, I mean, just, I mean, I've gotten to the point if I were to if I were going to get rid of social media, okay, the reason that I would get rid of social media is because I'm tired of seeing all the opinions about masks. Because right now you can find just about anybody who's gonna have your view on that. And instead of us having some, you know, charity and compassion, I, I don't think that this posture of always being ready to fight over everything does us any good, really. And I, I don't remember who it was I saw recently posted, but, you know, it's true. There are biblical commands for us to contend, to defend the faith, but there's also a lot of commands in there that we're to speak truth and love, you know. And I think we have a, we have a lot of issues with doing that right now because we, we don't hear that from the secular culture. It's, it's my way or the highway. I think too often we in the church can give that same impression. And we're not talking about on matters that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But it is a lot of stuff that's more conscience. So there's some rambling thoughts. Well, Jake, yeah, thanks for that. I you don't know if I need to say anything. You you took it away there. But I, I think I will add that it seems like it's difficult for some of us and I, I'm going to put myself in, in this category on certain things because, you know, I, I know myself too well. But sometimes it's hard for us to see things in gray. And what we tend to do, uh, maybe it's part of sinful nature, human nature, whatever. What we tend to do is say, no, it's black and white. I mean, of course, there are some issues that are black and white that we need to be crystal clear on. But if, Jake, you brought, you brought up masks, I, I don't think... This is a black and white thing. Sure, you've got experts in, in medical fields saying they that they work. And then you've got experts in the medical field saying they don't work. And whatever opinion you want to adopt that day, that that's the black and white opinion. But I think with a lot of areas in life, and, and mask is a really good example of it, is, is most people most people we pastor, most people we witness to, most people are somewhere in that gray. Um, so to your point, Jake, I agree. There's an opportunity for the church to um, to live there. And even if we have a, a specific opinion about COVID, whether it's it, you know, wearing a mask is, is identifies you as um, a sheep that just listens to the government and it's at all a conspiracy anyway, or um, you don't wear a mask and you're hateful towards people who are wearing masks. Like it's, there's just, it's polar opposites. You know, you're, you live in fear or you're a rebel to, to everything around you. It's kind of the two extremes we have. But again, I think most people that we come into contact with, even our own church members, our fellow church members, they're, they're going to be somewhere in the gray. And the question that we have to ask, I, I mean, I guess, myself, I'm a pastor, so I have, have, to ask, have to ask this question every day is, um, what does it look like to walk in love as Christ loved us? Um, what does it mean to imitate Christ in um, the midst of COVID, in the midst of a mask mandate? In Michigan, you're required to wear a mask 
um, anywhere you're inside or outdoor in a, in a public place. So um, it's what do we as a church do? And, you know, I, I'm all, we're still talking about how we're going to do that. But what the real question is, um, how are we going to use this opportunity to be an example to everybody in that gray area um, for Christ? And those answers are not black and white. I I don't think those can be. Um, You know, you see people, um, I'm I'm almost done. You almost see people, even in the church, kind of even weaponizing scripture. Uh, you, You know, we use... Sorry about that, fellas. Connor's um, actually in a church office right now, so this, we, this is real life. Oh yeah, real real life. Podcast. I haven't heard that phone ring in years. Yeah, yeah. We still have an office phone here, uh, Jordan. You can edit that out if you want. It's a little embarrassing, <laughs> uh, but we we see even Christians almost using scripture as a weapon, saying, "No, we're we're sh- shame on you who are for those who aren't wearing a mask. We're supposed to." Uh, with humility, consider others um, more important than ourselves. How, how dare you not wear a mask? Or, but then it goes to the other end, right? God has not given us a spirit of fear. Um, we're not supposed to be timid. We're, we're supposed to have power, love, and a sound mind. And it's like, how how can you be so so blind to this? Con- how can you be so weak and, and without hope and wearing your mask everywhere you go? So it's like you see both sides almost competing against each other, and it's silly. And it's 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 frustrating as a pastor to kind of see that. Um, I don't think necessarily specific examples in my church, but I mean, Jake, you mentioned social media; it's there. So you know, all that to say, it's it, we've so got to find a way to um, to truly put ourselves um, second and. and and if it, if that means I'm going to make someone feel better or more comfortable by, by wearing a mask, like I'll wear a mask. Cause I don't, if somebody asks me, Hey, come preach the gospel in our church, but you have to wear a mask. What do you guys think I'm going to do? I'm going to I mean, wear a mask. What you said just reminds me of what Roman says with, with Paul saying, you know, like if someone can't eat meat sacrificed to idols, you know, that's fine. That's a conscience issue. Don't eat it uh, with them. And I, as I'm thinking about this out loud, if someone has a conscience issue about like, you have to wear a mask, why would you not just wear it? But I'm not, I'm not wanting to get into dogmatic stuff about that just yet or at all. I don't think you just lost the <laughs> uh, Twitter followers. Yeah. Apparently. I mean, I lose Twitter followers. I think every day with something I say, so um, that's fine. I, b- before we started the podcast, no one knew who I was now, like two people know who I am and they both unfollowed me. So we're, we're there anyway. Brandon, I want to ask this to you uh, before we talk about how we really engage these topics in more depth. Uh, maybe, and I'm asking this to you because I think I don't think you have any social media anymore. You deserted us. Uh, mm-hmm. I can no longer make fun of you and make jokes and send gifts. I have to text, which is really annoying. So, should Christians engage online, especially in contentious topics that are hotly debated among everybody? Well, um, my, my short answer is no. Um, but so, so I left Twitter about a month ago and I probably should have left before that. Um, and I'm not even going to pretend like it was like just this thing where like I was tired of, you know, it was a, a number of factors. So it wasn't just like I was thinking, oh, I'm tired of seeing this or tired of seeing that. I was actually tired of how it was like impacting my, not necessarily my, well, yeah, I mean, my behavior. I mean, I don't think I was malicious or or, or anything in my behavior on Twitter. Like that wasn't the issue, but I could tell that it was affecting the way that I thought and it was affecting like my different uh, like learning patterns. Like I, so for instance, like I would, I would, I found myself trying to learn, not because I wanted to actually really understand something and learn something and and learn a concept. I wanted to be able to beat this guy in an argument and, and see, that's just not, not because then you're, then there's always going to be another thing, another argument that you want to win or 
or another concept that you don't understand. And the only reason that you want to learn it is not to actually really learn it. You want to learn just enough to be able to put out that 280 characters to be able to prove this guy wrong or to back this guy up or whatever it may be. So it was like, um, I know it's kind of a, a, a buzzword or whatever, but it really was becoming like toxic for me. Like I, I just wasn't, it wasn't even something that I enjoyed anymore. So that's the reason that I got rid of it. And I think that the temptation along with everything else that I just said, um, is we don't, and it's related, but we don't take the time to, to really dig deep into an issue. Um, because when you're on social media, you know, you see the tweet or you see the Facebook post or you see the headline, but you know, most people don't actually click on the headline to actually read the article or, you know, they don't understand what's coming actually behind the tweet or behind the Facebook post. It's just, um, okay, I see this little snippet and now I'm going to repeat whatever I just, if it, if it's something that backs up my already established viewpoint, I'm just going to repeat it because it sounds like, you know, a good one-liner that I can use against my online enemy. Um, so for the most part, I think it's totally unhealthy for Christians to engage in those kind of issues online because you just can't have the kind of substantive conversation that really needs to be had. That was the one thing, not the one thing, it was one of the things that that stood out to me the most from Truman's interview is that he said, if we're really going to try to address these issues, that are uh that are that was lightning just struck something here at the church i'm not sure what but don't edit that out because that was pretty cool but you better um, shut up <laughs> but you but he said you know we can't we can't try to fix all these issues through an online discussion like you're gonna it's gonna have to happen at a local level and you're gonna have to sit across the table from a person because it's a whole lot harder to be hateful to somebody when you're actually sitting there looking them in the eye on, on a just a human level. It's just harder to do that. It's a whole lot easier to fire away, um, you know, behind your keyboard. So I don't know. That's a lot of rambling, but I just, I just, so you, I, I guess I just became convicted that, that Twitter, and it was the last thing I had left. You know, I didn't have Instagram or Facebook or any of that stuff. Anyway, Twitter was all I had. And uh, I think I just became convicted that it was just, um, not good for my learning habits or for my spiritual health, I think. So would you universalize that and say, you think it's probably a good idea that everybody got off or do you think it can be okay or even healthy for some others? Oh, I mean, I'm not gonna, yeah. I mean, I can't say that I think it, you know, everybody should delete their Twitter, even though I I do joke about that fairly often, but I, I think, um, I think more people probably need to get rid of it than, than actually will. Um, because it, 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 um, it has a way of, I don't know, at least for me, maybe this was just me, but like it affected, like it would impact my whole day. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I would, if I was like in a back and forth with somebody on Twitter, or if I saw a tweet that like got under my skin or something, um, whatever I had planned for that afternoon was maybe gone because now I'm, I'm, I'm reading up on whatever it was that, you know, I was just talking about or just read about, or maybe it made me irritable, you know, if I saw something that I didn't like. And I mean, I, I'm not saying you just delete Twitter and then all your problems, but, but it's just like a constant flow of like one thing after another. And, and I just don't, I don't think that's healthy. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. Um, I think Connor wanted to say something. Yeah, go ahead, Connor. Before oh, we... yeah, no, I appreciate it. I, I just kind of want to jump on, jump back to what uh, Brandon said a few minutes ago about just the platform itself and how is it helpful to engage um, an argument. I, I had a friend uh, say to me the other day, "It's better to at least get your information out there." Um, regardless of the medium. And I had to disagree with him uh, because just to what Brandon um, just said, um, I, let me ask you guys a question and you don't even have to answer. It's just, it's sort of rhetorical. Is Twitter, is engaging in somebody, is engaging in an argument with somebody on Twitter 
akin to yelling across the street at a protest to somebody you with that with the attempt of trying to change their mind i would say it's almost the same thing you're you're not going to change someone's mind by yelling at them at a protest across the street um i don't think you're going to change somebody's mind on any form of social media um you know i, I don't want to we're not we don't have to talk about this subject we won't but um you know people protesting an abortion clinic there's people on the other side uh, protesting for pro-choice, and there's the other side of the street protesting for pro-life. The people shouting at each other, they're not going to convince anybody. Um, I just kind of see that. I see Twitter as that in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, I, I think it really depends on who you're talking to and the sure. level of relationship you have with them. Yeah, and I think in rare cases, um, I've done this before, I've just qualified and qualified and qualified I really appreciate your work. I'm I, I'm really just asking an honest question. I really hope you don't take this the wrong way. Like all of all of the, and then I'm out of characters, you know? So it's like, I just don't think Twitter is for that. And honestly, I don't even love the thread option on Twitter. Twitter is not for blogs. If you want to write a blog, go to your little WordPress page and, and 12 people can read it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm against threads on Twitter. Keep it to 280 characters. If you want us to link to something, link to it in your tweet. Um, but that's sort of a side note. But all that to say, I, I'm with Brandon. I haven't deleted Twitter, but in the last year or so, I've completely changed how I use Twitter. I used to be more engaging on all these different topics, but I, I sort of go to Twitter for sort of a break I want to laugh on Twitter. So if you guys are funny out there, please put things that are funny, but appropriate, right? I I want to get my news. I don't watch TV. So I go to Twitter for news updates, things like that. I just don't go there to, to read your blogs. So, um, and or engage in argument, but anyway, that's just an example of what I do. But not to not to make this. I just mute everybody. Twitter, right? Well, <laughs> I just I, I just want to reiterate, like you know, about the universalizing this my my approach like i just i know my own heart well enough to know where it was leading me like and what you know it made me think about certain people you know i i would you know there would be people who would have tweeted something maybe a few months ago that i didn't like or whatever and then if i see another tweet like then i i don't care what that tweet says because i remember this other thing like that's just not a way to like (laughs) you know so Mm. i don't know and maybe other people are are you know using it much more wisely than I did. Um, but I, I would just, I guess my question would be like, how many people have actually stopped and, and, and paused and thought long enough about their social media habits to actually make a real decision about it? Or is it just something that we do because it's convenient and everybody else does it? Um, because, you know, things have changed so rapidly and we're bombarded with all this information. I don't think we really know who was it that said, was Jake, was that you? We were talking about how, um, like at no other time in history have, have we, has a, has a human just from an emotional standpoint, has a human being had to shoulder the burden of, of thinking through all of these different tragedies and controversies and things that were always happening around the world, but now we see them all and we see them all at the same time. So now we have this different, like this flood of emotions that's constantly hitting us when we think about, you know, this um, people being oppressed or this, you know, violent um, riot or, you know, all these people are, are, you know, sick just, just all these things that, you know, the, the, the information overload, um, that, that we constantly are, are hit with when we're on social media. And I, I, we don't know what kind of impact that's having on us because this is still such a new phenomenon. That, that wasn't original to me. I saw somebody though, I think did post something about that, okay. uh, an article or something. Um, let me go ahead and say that I know now that Connor never reads my monthly blog piece that comes out since he said all that so and it is through a through a uh organization that uses wordpress so um i do think we have more than two or 12 people that read but you know maybe not too many more so at least i know that that connor is not one of them um i i will say i do echo i i have had moments like brandon talked about where something that somebody 
that I wasn't even involved in, but just seeing it back and forth just really uh, ticked me off and could affect me for uh, an hour or so. Um, so I do feel that. I've had to look at my own self. Um, I, I take a lot of what Connor said is kind of the approach I have. I mean, it is a place where I, there's th- certain people or organizations that I follow that help me with seeing what's happening that's that's good news and I think it's good commentary. It helps with books, um, you know, books that are out. One thing that I like using it for is like when I'm getting ready to preach a book, I like to hear and I and I know people mean well. They'll say, well, haven't you checked uh, bestcommentaries.com? I know all those sources are out there. It's that if a person has actually preached that book, I'd like to know what in his prep actually was most beneficial for him. So that's something good. I've tried to use it. I thought way back when, when these things started, that um, it was about like connecting. You know, I, that's how I got to know all three of you guys was through, you know, Twitter, through social media. And um, but I do agree that it is not a debate platform. This That's not how you do debate. And I think a problem, if I might put on my political history nerd cap here for a moment, please do is the problem is thank you. Um, that's good for you to make up since you don't read my blog. Um, <laughs> so uh, but we, we as a society do not have and I say this broadly, we as a society do not have the capacity to engage in lengthy discussion and thinking. For example, when Abraham Lincoln and Stephen Douglas debated each other in the 1858 Senate race, they had debates for three hours. And it wasn't, you know, tit for tat, back and forth. One spoke for 45 minutes. Then the other one spoke 45 minutes. And you were outside listening, processing. You go back and watch a presidential debate from 1980. Compare it now to today. It is totally different in how we communicate. Now it's about who's got the catchy, clickbait, cliche, five-second wow. And and to where, if you will watch as we get ready for the 2020 debates, which should be some of the most entertaining of all time, um, who who won the debate? It is who said the most clever gotcha thing. That's how we measure whether a person won a debate. Well, you know what? The same thing's happening now. And a lot of the discussions that take place in, in theology in the church, it, it's, you know, we've got to solve all of this in 280 characters. These topics can't be solved in 280 characters. Are you kidding me? No, that's you why you solve thread. all these things. Yeah. Or yeah, the thread. So and then I've got to go through 35 scrolls to try to find, you know, and remember what you said at the beginning. Um, so we just really so I think Twitter, social media can have some positive things. But I think some of Brandon's points are valid. I think it's good for people to step away for, for a time. Um, you know, I miss Brandon. I, I learned from Brandon. There's things that he posted that was encouraging to me. Um, and, and I think that, that, that like the podcast, you know, g- sharing good resources. That's one thing that I try to use social media for is because I do see so much, to, to be very blunt, so much junk that is spread out there that maybe in my little, you know, corner of the world down here, that you can try to share some things that are good and, and that are weighty. But but I do agree that we're in a time, Brandon's point is correct, that I'm afraid and I don't think people understand how burdening it is if you expect everyone, especially a, a person who's pastoring, to have a response, an answer, or an opinion about everything that is happening in the world, number one. And number two, judge that person and read into whatever you want to into them if they don't say something or they don't say what you think they ought to say. And I, and I would just say, you know, not trying to say, you know, poor, poor pastors and, you know, get into what was me thing, but I would just say people need to think, do you want that kind of standard on you? You know, cause we have our own lives where we're trying to deal with, you know, family, job situations, et cetera. And, then to put upon us this notion that we should have perfect spot on analysis for everything. Uh, I don't think anybody would want that standard on, on themselves. And I think we should be careful to put that. And one more thing, I'll say this. If you use social media just to start controversy, or if it is your MO in life to go follow, let me just throw one, we're going to just throw one person out there here 
And so I'll take responsibility. I have lots of disagreements with Beth Moore, okay? She's not somebody that I personally advocate for. But I do think there's something wrong if your whole motivation is to go see what she has posted today mm-hmm. and, and uh, can you believe it and critique it. That's yeah, not a healthy life. That's not a healthy life. Now, she says a lot of things and does things I disagree with. I'm not saying that, that everybody's got a free pass. But that seems like a miserable existence, personally, mm-hmm. if that's what is driving you. So I know I'll probably get some, you know, response on that. But no, no, that's good. Let's be, let's be, let us be dissenters and good Baptists and stir the waters. Well, look, Brandon's not going to get anything because he's not online anymore. It'll just all go to me. But there's a couple points I, I think I want to talk through here. And then because we've been talking, I think, about how should Christians engage these things online? Because whether we realize it or not, I think most people are online. And so I do think a lot of people feel a pressure of like, well, if my congregants are all there, I should probably be there too, to interact with them at some level. So how do we do that well? And then, so I'm going to talk about a couple of things that I think might be helpful or useful. And then maybe I'll ask you guys, um, if it's possible to train church members to engage properly on, on online, because I think to Brandon's point, he was talking about how a lot of people, when you talk to them in real life, they're real quiet and kind of reserved on topics. And then if I were to go like look at them on Facebook or Twitter, you would think that they were like this really brash, loudmouth person who had lots of opinions and ideas, but you'd have no idea seeing them in person. So, I mean, there's a whole psychological, you know, I guess study you could do just on that, like why that happens. But I think church members engage very differently online than they do in person and figuring out how to properly train them is a question I want to ask. But before I get there, thinking about how Christians should engage online, I think there's a couple of points we should keep in mind. One is like just theological triage. I think that's been completely lost on on us in the online sphere where everything has become a first tier issue that I must take out my sword and go to battle for and defend the kingdom of Christ. I mean, I've got my own opinions on like when it comes to like people who are super famous, like you, you mentioned Beth Moore, whoever it is that, that triggers you. I mean, you may like Beth Moore. I have no, idea. we've got a lot of listeners who various viewpoints. So I don't want to just say everybody doesn't like her. I, I don't really have an opinion. I don't follow her. I don't know what she says, but there are a lot of people I think that are of an example like that, who are popular, who literally people just go out there and they follow them just to attack them. And it's like, why are we doing this? And you're attacking like things that are like secondary third tier level, making them a bigger deal because you've just like in, in our minds, we've, we've created this like warrior mindset of some reason. So when it comes to my online social presence, I want to think, how do I build up virtues like faith, hope, and love? Uh, And I know, I mean, it may sound cheesy, but like, I think first Corinthians 13 is a great uh, section to be thinking about how do I interact with other people? I mean, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. How many times can we say that that's true of us and our interactions with people on social media? We find some guy we don't like for whatever reason, and maybe they change their mind or they say something that is actually true. And we've got to, because we don't like them for whatever reason, we've bucketed them in this way. We can't rejoice at the truth there. Uh, it bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. Um, how many times on social media are we acting in a way that does not hope all things? I think more often than not, our hearts are in places that are not hoping, but we're like hoping that it's actually worse than it really is. There's some conspiracy. There's some bad thing under the surface that I just know is going on. Uh, and it's going to de- destroy everything that's good. Uh, but that's, that's not, living according to first Corinthians 13. I think James three is another fantastic text that we should all probably meditate on and like memorize, honestly, just how using the tongue. And then James tells us by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Um, Wisdom doesn't look like a 280 character tweet that is like dunking on people. I mean, that's what Twitter to me has devolved into to some degree is just dunking on people. So when people dunk, I literally just start muting them, even if I agree with them, just because I know that that affects my heart negatively. It it makes me have a bad posture toward others, uh, even when I agree with it. 
Uh, James tells us, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. All those virtues are things that I think we need to cultivate and are not cultivated by the environment of online discourse. So I think to Brandon's point, if we are going to be there and live there and exist there, we have to work extra hard to be developing these virtues because I do think the way it's set up encourages the opposite. So if we're to do the opposite, and I don't really know how exactly we go about doing that. Um, but that's, I mean, that's what we want to do. And when it comes to the podcast, I think that this is a better venue for encouraging legitimate, friendly debate and discussion. I mean, we have people on the podcast all the time that we disagree with. And I think saying them, seeing them face to face and talking to them, even if it's online, gives you a different ability to like interact and understand what they're thinking, why they're thinking that, and to better think about issues. So I, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. I mean, it seems like everybody, no one has anybody they disagree with as friends anymore. It's all just everybody I disagree with is not my friend. And if you agree with me, then you're my friend. And our church members seem to be going rogue all over the place with what they say everywhere. I mean, it's not pastors too. I mean, you see, see the Geneva common stuff. I mean, it's like people saying crazy stuff. They're supposedly elders. Well, so, there's, yeah. I mean, there's the, there's definitely the issue of, of pastors and, and how, how we, um, behave online. I mean, it's not like the, you know, the list of qualifications kind of goes out the window when you're on the internet. And I, and just the way you see, I mean, it's not like, Oh, I wish you would have worded that a little bit better or, you know, maybe, you know, it was a one-time thing. Somebody, you know, got a little heated. I mean, but some guys, it's just like, what, what do you, what do you like? Are you shepherding a flock at all? Like, where are your people? Like, cause I mean, you tweet 25 times a day yeah. and, and all of it is just antagonizing, you know, the quote unquote other side, but that that's a different discussion. But as far as leading the church, <clears throat> um, the first thing we have to do is actually talk about it. And I think number one, I don't think a lot of pastors want to talk about it um, because well, maybe some pastors don't want to talk about it because they don't want people snooping around their social media. So if if, if you don't, um, if you're not going to live up to what you're going to be calling your church members to do, that that's probably one problem. The second one would be, um, just like any other controversial topic, we don't want to talk about things that are going to make people uncomfortable and maybe step on their toes and get them upset with us. Um, so since this pandemic started, we started doing like um, from the church's Facebook page, like one, once or twice a week, like little short videos, you know, from one of the pastors. And one of the ones I, I did a few months ago, um, probably back in April, I think, was actually about this topic, like how we behave on social media. Um, and I was particularly thinking about election time coming up. And of course, there's the the piece uh, you know, Jordan, a lot of the scriptures you just mentioned, you know, that, that if nothing else, you know, God has called us to live in, in a certain way as his people. Okay. That in and of itself should be enough. Uh, but there's also our witness. You know, Christ says that, you know, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples, that if you love one another. And then if, if unbelievers get online and they see Christians at each other's throats, not, I'm not saying we can't disagree. I mean, obviously, we're going to disagree. We're going to have debate and all that stuff. But the way we do it, I mean, it sends a signal to the world that we probably don't want to be sending if if we're just constantly uh, attacking each other. And I mean, I don't think I'm exaggerating in, in saying that this is an epidemic like in, in the church today. It is. I mean, it's just it's not like this is a few isolated incidences or or you know this is was that even the right word i don't know it's not like this is just a, a you know a, this one denomination or this one little group of people i mean it's it's all denominations it's all and it's just i i have to think a lot of it is just a, a product of the of the medium itself not that that takes away our responsibility but so no, i 
I think that's that's spot on. I mean, I can't help but remember, you know, people, I think everybody's changed their minds on something, uh, even important things. And you can think back to why you changed your mind. You know, I think I, I used to not be a Calvinist. Now I am. When I first encountered that, it was through a youth pastor at a PCA church, and I had never heard anything related to it before. And it was through my interaction, kind, generous, you know, interactions with him where he like never made me feel stupid. He just kept pointing me to the Bible and talking about it. And eventually I became a Calvinist. And it seems like when you come online, someone's not a Calvinist or, or whatever it is for you that's like, you know, you've changed your mind on something or you think something's right and someone disagrees with it. We don't give them anywhere near the level of flexibility and space and and grace that was given to us. It's just, you know, that quick, you know, cool dunk tweet right back. So I guess if, if the medium is a serious part of what's causing this, the real work on the ground is how do we counteract that if we want to stay there um, in both our church members and in the, our fellow believers online, because I mean, how are we, there's like all these anonymous accounts on, on Twitter with, you know, different weird handles and stuff. And who are they accountable to? If you really think that they're legitimately stirring up division and causing issues, I guess the only option you can do is to unfollow them or block them or whatever. But I mean, and I guess part of it's just, maybe it's just, if it's not in your flock, it's not really a problem. I mean, we're Baptists. So your local, your own local assembly is the epicenter of, of what you're responsible for. So maybe you're just kind of like, yeah, I do what I can, but I mean, I'm not going to go, you know, find out what church he's in and tell us pastors type of thing. So I don't know, Jake, Connor, you have any thoughts? I'll go and I'll allow the, the Biloxi boy to, to finish us off. Um, he, <sighs> If I had, which I think we all do, members of in our churches that we've seen uh, post questionable at best things and, and unhelpful, maybe I should say unhelpful at best posts, um, I, I mean, I'm struggling with this because... I want to say, oh yeah, you can you can have accountability, have a an accountability partner about what you post on social media, and like Jake, you you watch what I post on Twitter. If I if I get out of line, you you rebuke me in love, and I'll do the same for you. Um, but I want to kind of go back to to what Brandon's saying about just the platform itself. Um, I'm looking at a text, literally looking at it because I'm preaching it on Sunday. Um, the imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved loved us giving of himself, uh, offering and sacrificing himself. And it's like, okay, the, the highest calling, the highest command of a Christian is to, uh, operate or live out a love that is a giving love, live out a love that is a sacrificial love. So if I'm approaching social media, let's just say Twitter, cause that's the hot topic. How, to, how can I give of myself on Twitter? How do I give of, how do I sacrifice of myself on Twitter? And I think we're really talking about kind of an incarnational um, relationship to, to really give of yourself, to really sacrifice yourself. And I'm just, maybe I'm ignorant to it, but I'm not sure how you do that authentically on Twitter or on Facebook. Because it's all about self-expression. It's all about putting putting myself out there for for affirmation, for the affirmation of others. So that that's not a self-giving thing. That's like, what I'm me, saying. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm trying really hard to find... A, a way around this command to walk in love as Christ loved us, giving and uh, givingly. That's not a word with, through giving and through sacrifice. Um, and I don't. I'm just not sure how you do that on on social media. And I'm not saying I'm deleting my account because of that, but I, I, it really is going to change or has changed how I operate on those mediums. It's like it. it it seems like the the general flow, the current of that river is self serving. Uh, follower building, um, name branding, and it's it's tough. I mean that, and that's what our natural inclination is to do anyway, outside of social media. And then you get this cesspool that pulls you even further in that direction. And it's like, uh, what's really, honestly, the the point? Uh, but I do agree there are some positives. And Jake, uh, you mentioned those 
um, earlier. Yeah, because I'm, I'm I've made gonna, friends on there, and right, I've, right. I've found so many resources. And yeah, I mean, this podcast wouldn't exist if if not for social media. Yeah, yeah, you're Me right. and Jordan met through through Twitter, and that's how we went and and had coffee for the first time. You know, two years ago or whatever it was. So again, I don't want to universalize what I said about deleting Twitter. I just begin to to reiterate. I, yeah. I think we should all think a little more um, heavily on on why we use social media and and if it's as beneficial to our lives as we probably like to fool ourselves into thinking it is. Yeah, and and again, I I'm I'm a young guy. I I I don't know all the answers to these things, and somebody smarter. Uh, more aged and wise can, like you, Brandon, can um, can speak into this and say, hey, this is how you <laughs> express the love of Christ on social media. I'm still working through that. Um, but again, yeah, I'm not going to throw out everything about it because certainly there are some benefits. So, all right, I- I'm done. So, Jake. Jake, you got anything final, to close us up before thought. I wrap up? I, I would highly, and maybe y'all can post this on the, the show page you know the the mark dever nine marks article about 12 things you should think about before you post i i really think every one of us would do well to keep those things in mind when we get ready to post i think also a lot of this comes back to good friend of mine says a lot of the problems that exist in evangelicalism always comes back to bad ecclesiology. A lot of it does. And I think that a lot of this comes back to we really don't have meaningful community as an understanding as a local church. And so we don't do well interacting personally. So we basically can put on a mask and hide behind something on a screen. And we feel that that frees us, that frees us from any responsibility. And I I try to remember, you know, when I was a kid, when I was in high school, I was always told by my mom and dad that everything that I said and I did reflected upon, first of all, Christ, then them, then our name, and also the church. And I think we still would do well to remember that as we carry ourselves, we don't just represent myself individually. There's a lot of other things we represent, too. Chiefly, that we call ourselves citizens of the kingdom of God. And there should be something that marks us as different citizens than those who are just citizens of the city of destruction. Yes, I'm teaching through Pilgrim's Progress, all that's on my mind right now. And and I think we would do well with that. And, And I think that I do think there's a good thing. There are some people that I've done it with you guys before where I, I share something before I post it and say, does this, is this something I should or should not post? And I do think it is good at times to have somebody like that. Um, we all need somebody too, that we can vent to um, doing that publicly. Isn't really the place to go. Um, but it is good to have some people that we can just lay it out and that they know that they don't have to give me an answer. We're just there to just listen. And, and, and so those would just be some thoughts. But I really think that that list that Dever gives really, really would do us well to think about a lot before we post. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been helpful. I think this is obviously an ongoing conversation that needs to continue to happen uh, among Christians because, as Brandon said, it is kind of an epidemic. And we have to figure out how to use this better than we have. And I think that includes all of us here um, and everyone else too. So no one's really excluded from from figuring out how to handle ourselves admirably, respectably, uh, sincerely on these platforms. I mean, I, I think I'm safe in saying that I think it would be a good idea for everybody to take it down a notch and just be a little bit more gracious and kind to, to everyone. I mean, if you don't have a friend somewhere that you respect and you disagree with, um, then I think you should probably, you know, actually show up to your local church and talk to some of the people there and actually, you know, build a friendship there. Cause then maybe it'll help you learn how to disagree with somebody, um, in real life, which might 
you know, in turn, hopefully impact your online capabilities. Anyway, we said in our first inaugural episode of this that we were going to do 20 to 25 minutes. And here we are at 50 on episode number two. So listeners, I hope you found this helpful. I, I think this is, I mean, this is just kind of us talking as if we were hanging out together um, and really trying to figure out how to do things together um, and how to pastor churches better for the three reverends here, uh, whether Brandon's a half reverend or not. I'm not sure what counts as a half reverend. I'm going to be the right reverend. I like that. Okay. The right reverend Brandon. (laughs) Brandon. Uh, (laughs) Does that sound Anglican or something else? I think that's Anglican, yeah. Okay. So we've got our... I thought that was MAGA. Isn't it a MAGA preacher? Right reverend? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we're going to close up shop. Uh, we, we thank you guys for tuning in. If you found this helpful, uh, let us know. If you think it's helpful to talk about these th- issues at length, uh, you know, keep us posted on that. As always, you can email us at contact at thelondonlyceum.com. Thoughts, questions, advice, whatever you want. We've gotten emails about everything from I'm moving here. Do you know of any good churches? To I'm writing a paper on this topic. Give me good resources. So whatever you got, you can email us. We'll, we'll reply. And um if you got topics you want us to discuss on here, I mean, for the most part, we're just going to stick to the topics that are on the podcast. But I mean, I think we'd be willing to engage other things that we haven't yet addressed or something from a pastoral perspective. Anyway, you've been listening to the only analytic Baptist confessional podcast on the planet, and we thank you for tuning in. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers. And most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.